Hi, this is Jason Lee, pastor at Casper Alliance Church. This is uh, week nine of our summer series, working through the Psalms of Ascent, Psalm 120 through 134. Uh, this week in week nine, we're talking about happiness, Psalm 129. We hope you have a great week. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to know more about our church, Casper Alliance Church, you can check us out at casperchurch.com. Or you can go to your Google Play Store or App Store and look for Casper Alliance Church. Download the double C's and you'll be connected with us through our app. We can message on there. Just sign up for messaging. Uh, if you'd like to find us on socials, you can go to facebook.com forward slash Casper Alliance Church. Or you can go to instagram.com forward slash Casper Church. Thanks for listening again. Have a great week. On, um, when I go to pick up, hey, Flint, how many people are watching right now online? Because I would imagine today's is like a higher viewing day. 12. 12, 12. That's probably 12 screens, which means there's probably 40 or 50 watching. Uh, that's my speculation. We're going to try to do things a couple of ways differently, not because of people online, but because we can take the opportunity. There's not as many people in this room. So I'm gonna, we're going to might have an interactive experience. Um, Jeremy, you're going to be preaching here in a little bit. <laughs> like no not today you punk what what i want to do i want you to think of something that makes you happy something that makes you happy now and just start to put that in your brain and i'm gonna we're gonna i want somebody to spit it out here in a little bit i'll call on you and i'll actually say it so the people at home can hear it as well but something that actually that draws happiness and i'm i'm not looking for the church answer like the the christian like what makes me happy is reading my Bible every morning with my coffee at 7. Now, that's possible that it does. It's possible. But I want that first kind of like first response in your brain, uh, what do you think of being happy? And what makes me happy? And I'm not going to call you out like, like I'm not going to make Jerem come up and say what makes me happy. But if you volunteer. Now, we're, now here's the deal. Uh, during this school year, um, because my my youngest is not old enough to drive. I have to go pick him up and move him to his location, the next location. Now, when he's in a sport, uh, it's perfectly awesome. He's in like until 4.30 or 5, so I can stay here in the afternoon longer. But when I go to pick him up in the afternoon, um, it's at this very perfect time where on the radio is Sean Hannity. Now, I, like, I don't care about your opinions about Sean Hannity. I, we can all have opinions, but here's the deal. Sean Hannity, if you listen to him for more than, and, than like uh, two days, you'll realize that he says the exact same thing constantly, all the time, to where, um, to where I would listen to it for like 12 minutes on the drive from here to Casper Classical Academy, that's in maybe 12 minutes, and that's about as long, and in basically it's because I was running a little late to get out the car, so I didn't hook my phone into the jack to listen to something on my phone, and that's all that I really have on the radio, that's like one of those stations that comes in, and K2, so I can listen to it, so then Sean Hetty would always be, and he goes through this phraseology, like he just every single time. And so for the, he says, he quotes President Biden and how President Biden quoted the Declaration of Independence. And now we, we uh, declare these truths to be self-evident to you. What's he say next? You know the rest. And that's how Sean Hannity says it every, every single time. And I'm like, in my brain, all of a sudden, the Declaration of Independence is that's what it is. I can't even, so this morning I'm like, I have this thing in my head, I can't figure out where it is, and all I can hear is Sean Hannity saying it the inappropriate way. 
And this is, it's very interesting the things that we begin to retain and hold into our mind when you hear them over and over and over again. And it's not, a, it's, it, he's not necessarily being evil. Maybe some people would say he's being evil. But he is, he's creating a language in your brain to where it becomes an earworm. To where that's all, when you hear it the appropriate way, you filter in the way he says it. So I don't even know that Adam Schiff, his name is Adam Schiff. I call him the Schiff Show, because that's what every single 15 minutes that I drive home from, from here to CCA, I hear Sean Hannity say these exact same phrases over again. Now, the Declaration of Independence, what does this have to do? This is what I was trying to get to today. I couldn't get it out of my mouth, so I'm thinking of Sean Hannity, that jerk. So, the beginning of the Declaration of Independence says this, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal that they are endowed by their creator. Now, Hannity would go, you know the thing, that, but that's because he's quoting Biden. Or, by their creator with certain unalienable, right, unalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We've written that into our... Okay, so this morning's theme from Psalm 128 is happiness. So turn with me to Psalm 128. In our declaration of independence, where we have, um, where we said, nope, we are, we came over as explorers, colonized for you guys, but you know what, it's time for us to separate. We are going to, we're done, no more taxation without representation, we don't want to be associated with you over there, so we're going to write this declaration that we are now independent, and as a core feature of the declaration of independence, we put in there that we have the right to pursue happiness. That is a massive bowl of chaos. We have the right to pursue happiness. Okay, so does anybody remember their happiness thing? And now, people at home, if you're watching, um, I want you to take one second and, and in your room, talk about what makes you happy. But anybody want to volunteer? What? All right. Regina, family. So somebody from the, I probably shouldn't say your name. I'm not going to say your name because we don't know. So we, um, family makes her happy. So happiness is derived from, from family. And, and so then we all, um, we can all kind of like tease that out a little bit. And there might be somebody in this room where family makes you miserable. And you have, you have no desire to like be associated with your family. Like, family is like, that's the most, you want to know how to not make me happy? I'm going to go stay with my family for seven days. Now, here in a few weeks, Adrienne and I and the boys are going to go to Tennessee, and we're going to stay with Adrienne's parents for 12 days. That's longer than you chef fish in the fridge. I, I get, I'm getting the look. People are like, that's ridiculous. No, Adrienne's parents are wonderful, and it'll be great, and, and there'll be plenty of conversation about Sean Hannity there, I'm sure of it. But here's, here's the reality. Um, we haven't seen her parents for a really long time, and we haven't really seen her dad since before COVID. That's a long time. We haven't seen her dad since they moved from Michigan to Tennessee, which was, like, right when we moved here. I mean, think about it. That's a long time. So we need to go see them. But fam for some people, family's like, that's incredible joy. For others, it's like, oh, family's a little rough. I don't know. That. All right, give me another one. Family. And I'm not going to make, I might make commentary on everyone, but that, that could be fun but I probably won't. All right, what makes you guys happy? Well, there's no more hope for the past 
Okay? All right. So he's talking about Rush Limbaugh. Rush Limbaugh makes, makes you happy. Rush Limbaugh was the, the pioneer of conservative radio. He, he, and, but I'm telling you, there's 45% of the country that says Rush Limbaugh makes them crazy. <laughs> he's walking with the Lord right now. So, but, but I, again, there are believers out there who would say Rush Limbaugh is like the thorn in my side. It is really interesting, but we all have the right to pursue our happiness. So Rush Limbaugh makes you happy. Anybody else want to give a, all right, Aaron. Bacon. No, you're not going to get any sort of criticism from anybody on the planet about bacon. Even vegans sneak va- bacon into their meals. They do. They're like, can I, I this is not, I'm not making this up. I've been in um, a Jersey Mike's, not here, it was in actually in Michigan, where somebody ordered the um, gluten-free vegan sandwich. So just veggies, veggies only. And like, you want no meat? No, I'm a vegan. Get to the end of the line. Can you add bacon to that? You're like, oh, 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 you are a hypocrite. That's, but bacon, bacon in Iowa, they have a thing called Bacon Fest. And most states might have a Bacon Fest at this point, but we had a, with our neighbors, we had a bacon party where we got together on a Saturday and we just ate bacon all day and everybody came up with their creative bacon item. Bacon is like generates good feelings inside of our heart. It also generates bad hearts. <laughs> bacon actually does that to where it's like, but we have the right to pursue, pursue bacon as like, this makes me happy, I'm going to make it. In fact, this is so crazy, when, when things started going haywire with COVID here, and we're like, the, one of the things they were talking about is the bacon supply going to drop. And so every time I would go to Sam's Club, I would buy a package of bacon. To where at one point, we had like six or seven large packages of bacon that we, had to, we ended up throwing away because the the bacon shortage was short-lived. Another thing about bacon, which is funny, I, maybe I will have a story for everything. When, this, when the COVID was going crazy, I was like, you know what, we need to get a hog. Let's get a whole hog. So I called this um, place in Scotts Bluff, and I was like, hey, we'd like to buy a hog. We hear that you're the place to go. And they're like, yeah, we'd love to sell you a hog. And I'm like, will you process it for us? And I was like, yeah, I, they will. They were like, yeah, we'll process it. And I'm like, here's what I want. I want the whole hog in bacon. And the guy was silent for like 10 seconds. And you know in his head he was going, you're a moron. <laughs> you're an absolute, you know you can't turn a whole hog into bacon. Did anybody else know that? There's only a couple of you, so now admit it. You can only turn this certain part of the cow, or cow, pig into bacon. <laughs> only a certain part of the pig goes into bacon. And I was like, I want the whole thing in bacon. And if you can't, we don't want pork chops, we don't want a ham. Bacon or breakfast sausage? And the guy's like, I can't sell you a hog like that. And he laughed. I was like, never mind. And he told me, you can only get 15 pounds out of a, out of a pig for bacon. I was like, that's not enough bacon. I'm not going to pay $300 for 15 pounds of bacon because we don't eat pork chops. All right, one more. I won't, I won't comment on it. Maybe I will. Health. Health. Health makes you happy. So the right to pursue, to pursue health. Like, we have this inalienable right to say, we're going to pursue being healthy. I also heard the beach. Those are way different. The beach, <laughs> the, the beach I, that's what makes me happy. When I go on vacation, going to the beach makes me happy. And, it's, and I just want to go to the beach. And I'm different probably than a lot of people who want to go to the mountains. I want to go sit on a beach. I want somebody in a, a tuxedo to bring me a drink. 
and let me just sit there. And I want them to offer me things that I'm going to say no to. Like, can I give you a foot massage? No, I can't afford it. Can I give you a back massage? No, I can't afford it. I'm just glad you're offering me this particular... But I, so we've are, we're planning on going to the beach next um, March. We're going to go to Jamaica. We are so excited to go to the beach. That's, that's happiness for us. This entire year, our pursuit of that piece of happiness is about saving money. So when you pursue something, it changes the way in which you live. It changes how you function. It changes your activity. It changes. So if you're going to pursue health, you change your behaviors to match the thing you're pursuing. Now, I would argue that we don't actually have a right to pursue happiness, but it's such a part of the American culture because it was our declaration of independence that we live that way. To where the first, and I'm going to make a kind of a, uh, an end statement at the beginning, the further we get away from the Lord, the more that pursuit of happiness becomes evil. When we want to, that's good, you can talk out loud here. When, when you want to pursue happiness and you're separated from God, that happiness is usually self-indulgent, sinful in nature, sinful in its desires, and usually lands you in a place that's far from God, that's separated from God. Now, let's look at what the text says. Psalm 128, let me read it to you. Remember, we're going through all these psalms. We have a few more left. Um, and then just to give you kind of a, a, an overview of where we're going, we're going to do this psalm study up, up until um, family camp. And then after family camp, starting in September, we're going to start uh, a 12-week look into the book of Revelation to where we're going to be using, we're going to go through the apocryphal writings of the end of the story, and that'll be fun. And we're going to actually have an adult Sunday school class that matches uh, for the first eight weeks, that matches uh, the first four chapters of Revelation, which is the seven churches of Asia. And, and uh, John and I are going to be teaching and talking about these particular churches, what Jesus was saying to them, and what are the outcomes of what's God, what's God trying to talk to through these last churches, the church of uh, Revelation 1 through 4, because we're not going to go into heavy detail here. We're going to go into the rest of the story of Revelation, okay? But that starts in September. Also, adult Sunday school, kids Sunday school, uh, youth Sunday school all starts September 12th. September 12th. All right, there we go. Now, we have a few more Psalms we're going through, but today is Psalm 128. Let me read it to you. How joyful are those who fear the Lord, and this is the key phrase to this entire Psalm, all who follow his ways. You enjoy the fruit of your labor, how joyful and prosperous you will be. Your wife will be like a fruitful grapevine flourishing within the, your home. Your children will be like vigorous young olive trees as they sit around your table. The, that is the Lord's blessing for those who fear him. May the Lord continually bless you from Zion. May you see Jerusalem prosper as long as you live. May you live to enjoy your grandchildren. May Israel have peace. Listen to all these blessings that come at the very end about the family, the wife, the kids, the prosperity, the cities, all those things. It's all bundled together into this one phrase, fear the Lord, follow his ways. Fear the Lord, follow his ways. So when we wrote into the Declaration of Independence, we have the right to pursue happiness. What we did is we put this, we put this thing in there that allowed men and well, let's just say men for simplicity's sake, to just go after whatever they want and whatever they desire. Now, at that time, it was a more morally focused society. In fact, as the, the authors, the founders wrote that even, even Ben Franklin, I didn't read this last week, I wish I had my notes up here. Ben Franklin 
he, he looked and said, I don't necessarily believe in Jesus and the God that you're talking about. He was a deist or a theist, a deist, a deist, and, but he said, God's hand is on us in this moment. God's hand is all over us, and so we can't, we can't separate us from what God is doing. We need to really try to walk, and I'm paraphrasing, by the way, we need to walk in what he's, what he's doing through us, us colonizers, and, and, and maybe we'll see at the end of this what, what God wants to accomplish through us. Now, he wasn't calling God Yahweh, God Jesus. He was just saying, there's a divine force that's moving us this direction. Now, as you write in that, as you're writing this declaration of independence that I have the right to pursue happiness, and I continue to, to go down that path, look where it's gotten us in a lot of ways. Even us followers of Jesus, look where it's gotten us. We tend to, to create our hierarchy of needs based on our desires and our happiness and the things that we want. Now, that's not necessarily, I think dreams and goals and all those things are important. I think those having the desires and the wants are actually okay. But what God's saying here, what the psalmist is saying, is if you're divorced from God, and divorced from following his ways, and divorced from fearing him, then where that leads is to chaos. But if you're, if you're connected and, and you're in marriage with him, if you're united with him, you are actually going to in, in a way towards prosperity, and not necessarily prosperity that like what you think, where your wallet's fat and your house is big. Now this is what it's talking about, but it does emphasize family first, saying that, that your wife will be awesome and your kids will be amazing and your table will be full it's it's saying the simplest things in life are the things that you're going to enjoy the most but again the whole point is if you separate yourself from god and his hand and his ways the pursuit of happiness leads to destruction the pursuit of happiness as one who follows the ways of the lord leads to prosperity and i would say Again, this isn't prosperity financially. This is prosperity from a soul perspective. Understand that. The soul feeling God's presence is prosperous, is wealthy, is rich. When we pursue the things of this earth, we feel empty most of the time. We saved one more, another, I have a bunch of stories. We saved for a long time, um, my, my in-laws, who we're going to go spend 12 days with, they, they said, hey, we'd like to take you to Disneyland or Disney World. Uh, we want to take the ki- grandkids to Disney World. Uh, Adrian's an only child. They had two grandkids. And, um, and they were like, here's what we want to do. We want to take you guys to Disney World for a couple days, and we'd like to take you on a, on a cruise. And, we're like, and I was like, listen, we don't take handouts. We're not doing that. And her parents had to sit me down and said, no, we're taking you. You don't have an option. This is what's happening. You're going. I'm like, what are we going to do on a cruise? Our kids are young. They're not going to enjoy a cruise. This is going to be the silliest thing ever. What are they going to do at Disney World, right? Now, all of you know me. I'm a Disney World propagandist, propaganda machine, right? Like, if you talk to me, that's the happiest place on earth. There's pictures of Disney in my office. I mean, Disney is my favorite, right? But I had to be sold on it by her parents forcing me, okay? And we went. We had a great time, and I'm sold. Now, here's the deal. We're, as soon as we got back, so, like, when you're leaving Disney World, especially a cruise, they're like, see you real soon, see you real soon. And it's like, it's like a miserable experience. Like, this is really the happiest place on earth. People do bring you food and take care of you. And then as soon as we get back to Michigan, I'm like, we got to go again. We got to start saving and saving and saving and saving. And you know what? We need to not only go for two days to Disney World, it's time to go for four. And we need to not go on a three-day cruise. We need to go on an eight-day cruise, right? So think about the math on that a little bit. It exponentially grows, like a lot. 
And so I'm like, we save for a bunch of years, like two. And we like, this is like, we're going to Disney World and we're doing this massive cruise. And we have the most amazing time, right? But at the moment we got back home, I'm like, we spent all that money on 10 days. That's unbelievable. And immediately I started to have this weird buyer's remorse. Like, I can't believe that we just spent, you know what we could have done with that money? I could have finally driven a car that was made in this century. It, I mean, that's, and I had this immediate kind of buyer's remorse as soon as we got back. And in fact, as we got closer to the end of the trip, I started to think about all the money that we're spending and going, what could we have done with this money? And my brain was attached to the dollars, not to the fun or the experience. And I was like, oh no, that pursuit of like, I want to experience the happiest place on earth. All of a sudden I was disappointed with it. Now I'm going to go back again. I love that place, but I have a different perspective now. I understand what I'm getting into. I understand what it is. And it won't consume my life for multiple years to just save to try to go. When we pursue things for our own selfishness, our own desire, our own wants, and it's separated from God and His ways, it usually leads to disappointment. Now, let's get into it just a little bit. So here's the thing. I don't know if you've heard me say this. We're going to... I have three things I want to say. What does it mean to follow? So asking the question, what does it mean to follow the ways of the Lord? And, and in fact, when I pray for, um, when I do baptisms, and this is what I've done with baptisms my whole life, I, when I pray and I ask this question, um, are you, uh, whoever I'm baptizing, I'll say, are you, will you commit to following God in all of your ways? before I baptize a person. Asking them to verbally express, I'm going to follow God in all of my ways. Now, that's a really, it's a loaded question, but you're asking to, you're ask, I'm asking a student or an adult or whoever, I, mostly students that I baptize, to commit everything in their person to God. But what, let's ask, what does it mean to actually do that? I have three things for you this morning. One, if you're going to follow God in all your ways, you need to acknowledge him as maker. As the creator. You need to go to Genesis 1. And you, I'm going to say it. You can turn with me there. Genesis 1, verse 1. And we're going to say out loud together, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. To follow God, now this isn't a speech on evolution or creation. This is a speech or a word or a phrase on your position before God. You were created by Him. When we follow God all the ways of our life, when we commit our ways to the Lord, when we fear God and say, I will follow Him all my ways, you are first, the first way to do that is to acknowledge your position before Him that he is maker, that he is the creator, that he is the one that put all of this together. The Bible isn't interested in whether we believe in God or not. Have you ever thought about that? The Bible doesn't care whether you or I believe in God. It assumes that everyone on the planet does. It writes that way, that there is no way that you couldn't believe in God. And in fact, it's filled with stories of people who didn't believe in God and the result of that unbelief. So the Bible doesn't care. It, does, it, it just assumes the scriptures aren't interested 
in, in your belief in him. They're interested in your response to him. And that's a, you are creator of heavens and earth. You are creator of all things. You are creator of me. It's positional. How do I follow God? I have to understand who God is in his creating power. That's a huge, huge, huge step for anyone. One of the biggest barriers for people who don't want to believe in Jesus is trusting that God made it all because it's filtered through the pursuit of happiness. And my, hap- my pursuit of happiness has not led me to God. It's led me to destruction. My pursuit of happiness has not produced fruit to where I have true joy. My pursuit of happiness has left me empty. How could God create any of this? Can you see what's going on? God didn't, doesn't have his hand in this world. It's broken. It's messed up. There's terrorism. There's sickness. There's COVID. There's, I mean, there's, there's colossal debt in the world. God doesn't have his hand on that. Man's pursuit of happiness, divorced from God, has created that. God has created everything, and, and we talked about this at the beginning of my time here, that he's, he is in this creation, has, crea- has given us authority and autonomy to harness the power that's on this earth. The ingenuity, in, I can never say that word, ingenuity of his creation to create man, to farm, to build, to make life better, science. Again, I'm not being political, but I'm saying he's using his people to advance his kingdom for his purposes. And when his people are following his ways, amazing things happen. But to follow his ways, you have to acknowledge that he created at the beginning. When we understand our position before God, we stop trying to bring God to our level, our comfort, and ultimately our simple human mind. See, in a lot of ways, we're like dogs. Or puppies, like I talked about a few weeks ago. I take Wilma out in the morning. She does her basic, simple thing. What does she do? She pees. She poops. Her next instinct is to what? To eat. So she comes trotting in all cute and stuff. And bloop, 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 bloop. she runs right to where her water and food are. Without even, I mean, she just does it. I'm going to go pee and poop. And I'm going to go eat. And then I'm going to roll around and be cute. And I'm going to do dog things the rest of the day. Now, when we try to bring God down to that simplicity, we are puppies. We want to conform him into our mindset and our thinking and our thought process and the way that we, and our pursuit. We want to conform him to our pursuit of happiness. God, if you would just make this happen, everything would be better. If you would just do this, I would feel better. Like I could follow you so much better if you would just fix this part of my life. If you just would bring coal back to Wyoming, we could all be happy again. These are the, this is the, we try to bring God down to us and to conform him to our thinking. So first way, acknowledge God as maker. This is our position before him. Let's stop putting him in our simple framework and our simple human minds and allow him to just be God and us just not, but to follow him the best that we can. So walking with him or walking in his way is the fear and an awe of God. You revel in what he's done. 
When I grow up in Nebraska and I see cornfields upon cornfields upon cornfields, I don't get excited about what God has done. When I see the Platte River and it's a sandbar, I'm like, but when I, when I and I'm not saying the mountains is where you can experience God better, but you, I mean, it's kind of wild. When you, when you stand at the edge of, I don't know, pick a spot, Lake Marie on the scenic byway 130, uh, Jenny Lake right at the base of the, the Tetons, Old Faithful, I mean, this is just here. If you, just walking Bridal Trail, it's crazy. Like you can, God's hand is on his creation. And when you develop a, a position before that and say, wow, this is incredible, God, what you've done. You walk in his ways. You understand your position before him. All right, number two. Wow, I am preaching longer than I thought I would. Number two, acknowledging Christ as Savior. This is, again, we move from how do we walk in his ways? You have to acknowledge him as Savior. This is beginning to develop a relationship with God. So it's one thing to say God is the evil man in the sky, if you have that sort of position towards him, or the ben- but, uh, the blessing man in the sky, but I can look at it from a distance, and I can keep my distance, and I can continue to pursue my own things and do my own things and, and try to experience my own happiness and not ever really acknowledge other than I just know there's something else. And this is kind of what Ben Franklin was as he's writing the founding documents. He's acknowledging there's something going on out here. There's something that's, that's divinely moving things around, but I don't really want to have a relationship with that because here's what happens in relationships. Accountability. As soon as you enter into a relationship with someone, you're accountable to them. So when you say, walk in my ways, I can fear you easy, and I can keep you at a distance. But when I start to link hands with you, and I hold hands with you, I have a relationship. Now I'm accountable to the things that you say? This is why dating and Tinder and all these apps have exploded over the last 10 years. Because there's no accountability. At all. I can go in and get the thing I want and I can disappear. I don't have to be in a relationship. In a very practical sense, as soon as you enter into a relationship, you are accountable. If you want to follow God and have happiness, true, authentic, life-giving soul happiness, you enter into a relationship with him. How do you start that? You acknowledge him as Lord and Savior. He's the same who died. He was buried. He rose again. I have faith in that. I acknowledge you as my Lord and Savior. The only way that I can have forgiveness and life beyond this life is to know and trust you as Lord and Savior. That's entering into a relationship. That's beginning to become part of the family. That's entering into an inheritance. All right, turn with me really quick to 1 Peter. 1 Peter, I'm going to read one text. We kind of give a, Peter gives a great snapshot. Now, here's the deal. Peter denied Christ, right? So he's obviously entering into this um, experience with Jesus, a little bit broken, a little bit fractured, thinking that things were like, um, maybe hard. I mean, when you've broken a relationship or hurt somebody or wounded somebody you loved and trying to circle back to that is kind of complicated sometimes. So think about that as Peter, Peter's writing this. I want to make sure I, I'm reading the right text. Did I flip my... Just a second, just a second, just a second. All right, First Peter, chapter 1, starting with verse 3. Think about Peter and this fractured relationship he had with Jesus. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is his great mercy that we have been born again because God raised us, raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation. He's saying, I have this relationship. This fracture thing is brought back together. We acknowledge Jesus, Lord, and Savior. Now we have inheritance. 
an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach and change of decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, this inheritance, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. So, this is the happiness phrase, so be truly glad. There is a wonderful joy, happiness ahead. Even though you must endure many trials for a little while, these trials will show that your faith is genuine, that relationship is genuine. It is tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Far, faith is far more precious than mere gold, so when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much honor is revealed to the whole world. Love him, even though you never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him, and you rejoice with glorious, inexpressible joy, with happiness. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your soul. This salvation is something even the prophets wanted to know about when they prophesied about the gracious salvation prepared for you. They wondered what time or situation the Spirit of Christ within them was talking about when he told them to advance about, about Christ's suffering and his great glory afterwards. They were told that their messages were not for themselves, but for you. And now, this good news has been announced to you by those who preached in the power of the Holy Spirit, sent from heaven. It is all so wonderful that even the angels are eagerly watching these things. This is entering into a relationship with Christ. It's not keeping him at a distance or fear and awe. It's entering into presence and saying, I will be accountable to you. I'll be accountable to the things you've called me to. I'll be accountable to the words you've asked me. To. I'll, I, I'm going to be accountable to you. And, and the psalmist in Psalm 128 gives an example of what it looks like to have deep, meaningful relationships. He talks about the family that you have this prosperous wife, a flourishing home. Children will be like young olive trees. You sit around the table, and the blessing of the Lord will be at your table, and you will, and Jerusalem will prosper. As soon as you start, as soon as you acknowledge Him as as who He is, God, and you fear Him, and you look at Him with awe, and you enter into relationship. That's where the prosperity begins. Not the stuff, the wealth of the soul. Understand and hear that the joy of the soul, the joy of being connected to God. Last thing, we've acknowledged God as maker, we've acknowledged Christ as our Savior, we, so we've had our position before God, we have a relationship with God, and we need to acknowledge God at the center of our existence. You need to live out what you believe. Live out what you believe. So many times we can say words, we can say we do things. In fact, we, I had a great conversation this morning with Joe about we come to church and we just kind of sit through church and do church. And we can kind of just show up on a Sunday or a Wednesday and do the church thing and put on the church clothes and put your church pants on and show up at church and just kind of go through the church motions. But what we're, we're calling here at this particular church is to say, we're going to not only just show up, we're going to believe the things that we're saying here and we're going to do them. We're going to live as though we believe it. So church expands beyond the Sunday and the Wednesday experience. It expands to the every day, the every moment, the life of the church. The church is a vehicle by which God ordains on the earth to advance his kingdom. And we are a blessing to be a part of it. We get to enjoy it. But that's more than a Sunday and a Wednesday. It's actually living out what we believe. 
Not only do we understand the position before God and the relationship with God, we actually have to function in that existence, and he has to be the center of the universe. So we walk fearing God, knowing God, and living dependently on God. Knowing God, relating with him, and being dependent on him. He is the center of our existence. And the book we're reading, or that I've offered, that this kind of whole series is based on, Eugene Peterson puts it this way. There are critical standards in the Christian life to follow. There are moral values to foster. There are spiritual disciplines to practice. There's social justice to pursue. There are personal relationships to develop. None of this is difficult for us to understand. Because of these, uh, the ambiguities of the world we live in and reflect in our own wills, we, do, we will not do any of these perfectly without fault. Basically, all of these things in the Christian life, we're going to fail at. But that's not the point. People who are forever breaking the rules, trying other roads, attempting to create their own systems and values and truths, spend most of their time calling up someone to get them out of trouble or to help repair the damage. You see, the path of happiness, the path of happiness isn't the pursuit of our own personal happiness. The path of happiness and joy, and the scriptures use the word happiness and blessing interchangeably, is about fearing God and following his ways. Following his ways, I'm going to repeat it one more time, and then we're going to be done. Following his ways is acknowledging who he is. I fear and I, and I have awe of God. Your position before him, he created you. He is the creator. Number two of following in his ways is having a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's becoming accountable to that relationship. And we can get into all kinds of detail there of what the scriptures say that looks like. And we're not going to, but the, the first step is, having a relationship, I'm accountable. And the last thing is he is the center of your existence. The key word, you're dependent on him for life. Dependent on him for life can mean a lot of different things. It can mean prayer, it can mean like a daily study, it can mean being part of the church. We live out what we believe. See, the reason the church provides such a great resource to us followers is every now and again, you gotta show up and have somebody kick you in the head. I mean, if you don't, Listen, if you come in here and you don't feel like kicked in the head every now and again by me, I don't know if I'm doing my job right. Maybe I elevate my voice a little bit just to kick you in the head like more loudly. Maybe, that's an, maybe I'm just passionate about what I say. But the church is a community of God's people trying to figure out how to have God at the center of our existence. And it's not always perfect. It's not always right. It's not always convenient or fluid. It's chunky. It's clunky. It's ugly sometimes. Sometimes everybody gets sick in a week and there's nobody here for church. You're, I'm, I'm sorry, you're right. That's a, thank you for correcting me that. For everybody listening online, Jinx just said, I'm not nobody. That's just me talking. She is somebody. You're all somebodies. Where there's less people at church. <laughs> to where it's like, wow, where is everybody? Um... The church is living out this pursuit of happiness from a biblical standpoint. Together. Joy, blessing, the prosperity of the soul, not of the stuff. Because none of you get to take it with you. You all leave it here. But Peter talks about an inheritance that's permanent. It's more valuable than this stuff. And that's having a relationship with the Lord 
provides produces true happiness in the soul as we live. So the disciple, one last phrase, the disciple of God, the follower of Jesus, can have a bad day, can be annoyed. I mean, I've been annoyed all week. Can be frustrated and disappointed and, and even angry. But I'm asking us as followers of Jesus to never let that hinder a new person coming into the faith. The curmudgeoning Christian is the worst thing that's happened to Christianity. Now, I'm not talking about blind joy where we don't acknowledge the world and we just are living in our happy little huddle, but I'm talking about this rage that we have inside of us that wants to reflect and look like the world. There's a joy that needs to come, a happiness that should come from the follower of Jesus because we do have an inheritance that this world can't take away. And that should produce in us a blessed hope and a response to everything differently than the world responds to. All right, Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for our church family. Thank you for everyone here. Hope we have a great week, Lord. Keep us safe and healthy. Lord, help us to, to continue to live out happiness. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great Sunday afternoon. I appreciate